0: Can we just encourage Haley? Well done Haley. It's a big deal, it's a big deal and uh, we're spoiled at Worldview College because um is one of our students and it's been really good to get to know Haley. All the ups and the downs, the, the things that involve study as well as life, as well as managing things and it's just wonderful to hear in just a small snippet just your story. So well done. And I encourage you afterwards, just go and say hi. It's a, it's a big deal to sit in front of a camera and to share your story. So the media team are coming after you. <laughs> Who knows? Well, you know, just the other day I was um, driving along and um, there's this, uh, I suppose, turn in, in the corner as, as we go around towards, heading towards St. Leonard's and large chunks of styrofoam were on the road. And I thought, oh, that's, that's weird, and just kept driving. And then there was, a, there was a thing. I'll talk about the thing later, but there was something. It's like, you should turn around, and you should pick that up. And immediately I thought, no, nah, no, nah, somebody will do it. I'm sure we've got council that look after these sorts of things. <laughs> I mean, it's not as if I see roadkill, and I think I should clean that. But I turned around, parked the car. It was pretty busy, so I had to be really careful. And just jumped all over the road, trying to pick up all these chunks of styrofoam. The other day we were, uh, same, you know, next day I think it was, I was at the school dropping the kids off, I was waiting for Christy who was coming as well, and I just noticed just a, a man just walking up and down, sort of trying to look into the school, and he wasn't dangerous or harmful in any way, he was just curious, and you know where you notice something and then you wish you didn't notice something? Like he was lost, and again, that thing, right, was like, you should go and talk to that person and try and help them out. And I really didn't want to. I had things to do that day. I had to get back for class. I had a lot on my mind. But I just noticed it. And it's like, God, why did I notice? Why didn't somebody else come along? And so sure enough, I went up to him and I said, can I help you? And he said, I'm a cleaner. I'm just looking for a place. I'm looking at where I'm meant to be doing. And I took him into the school and I said, Is, are you expecting someone? No, we're not. And it's like, okay, well, let's go for a walk down to another school. Is this the school? And he's not sure. And we just started having a conversation. He's been in Launceston for two weeks, and he's from Nepal. And we just had a conversation about his journey. I said, your English is really good. You know, where are you working? I had to go, so Christy took over. We had to ring someone. I had to try and find out where he was meant to be to do his, to do his work. And it's, we've been singing this song just um, a moment ago. I sought the Lord, He heard me, and He answered me. So here I am thinking about this idea of the Holy Spirit and this theme of being sent. And I'm thinking about all the different ways in which we can explore this, biblically, theologically. You can even look up the word pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, and that's kind of where I, where I go. And yet I was thinking at I was praying I was just processing God what what can I do here and there was a third instance just yesterday I'm just in town for an appointment I make my way to the car and there's an older lady just leaning against her car and turns out it was her daughter they were trying to collapse her walker and it's like why did I notice this there's this thing again and it's like, okay, I'll go, I'll save the world. And I walk up there five minutes and I'm jiggling and I'm like bending and I'm pulling and it didn't collapse. And just this older lady, she was beautiful. She was just asking help for anyone who walked past. So here I am, I'm wrestling with the daughter and I said, oh, how about we just put it in your boots and we're trying to get in there. The lady sees another couple, can you help us? So now there's five of us <laughs> trying to collapse this walker. I didn't do a thing, I just was willing to help and I ended up doing nothing. I just supervised another person, they just went click, click, click and it all collapsed. So don't ask me for help when it comes. There's three instances, I sought the Lord, He heard me and He answered me. It turns out, We're not meant to be talking this morning about theology or pneumatology or trying to work at an academic way of thinking about the Holy Spirit. I just wondered whether that might be hypocritical. Here we are talking about the Holy Spirit, so even in myself I'm trusting the Holy Spirit for what I'm going to be sharing this morning. I don't really have it all nutted out just yet, so this is a step for faith just as much for me, as it is for you, in terms of processing what the Holy Spirit, who he is about, what he is doing, in this idea of being sent. And I was drawn to uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and I think I've mentioned this before, in my office there's a poster, on that poster is a soccer pitch, and I have these big words on the poster that say, be in the arena, and that's uh, a reflection or a nod to Theodore Roosevelt, the American president, who wrote a, a, a speech, as they always do, the presidents, and there was a section of this speech that was affectionately known as the man in the arena. Just imagine, this was happened 100 years ago, just over 100 years ago. Imagine being in the audience and you hear these words. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst if he fails at least fails while daring greatly so that this his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat the man in the arena just a disclaimer when he's talking about the man he's talking about men and women this was a hundred years ago So this is men and women who are involved in the arena, not who sit in their hands and do nothing and just criticize everybody else for the things that they're doing, but those that are involved. And that got me thinking about what it might mean to actually be a disciple of Jesus. And at one point, there's a large section in the the Gospel of John towards the end, just before the scenes of his um, crucifixion, the Last Supper, and where he's handed over, he's betrayed by Judas, and then he's crucified. Just before that section of Scripture, there's a nice, um, large portion of just his sayings. And at one point, he's praying, and he, his prayer goes in three ways. He's praying for his, um, himself first, then he prays for the disciples, and then he prays to the Father for all believers. And then there's this section in John 17, just a few verses that will be on the screen. I'm coming to you now. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the, the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Notice that. Jesus' prayer is that he would not take the disciples out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. And this is where I was going in my thinking before I sought the Lord, before he heard me and before he answered my prayer. This is where my mind was going. See, I think theologically we could say that there is a connection between being sanctified and actually being sent. In other words, this word sanctified is really rich at It speaks of um, a status, it speaks of a condition that we now find ourselves thanks to what Jesus did on the cross. And that's linked to the, the process of being sanctified, this inner world that begins to change, to be transformed, to be more like Jesus. There's a nod in sanctification to holiness, to actually start to be alert and aware of what it might look like to live a new life, a different way of living. And so I was connecting these dots and I realize that that is part of the process of our sentness if you are being sanctified you're also being called to go into the world because that's what Jesus prayed Jesus was serious when he prayed these things and you and I are living out this sentness if you follow Jesus and so if you remember a number of weeks ago now uh, we had 12 people stood here as Christie was representing or trying to bring to light this awareness of the 12 disciples, but then there was a few other people that joined in. Women were part of the story, and as we looked at these uh, crowd that were following Jesus initially, the, the mixed group that were present was just remarkable. You had straight down the line shooters, you had angry people, you had Judas who betrayed you had rich, you had those that had very little. They formed a mixed group of followers, and you fast forward to the end where he's sending out more people in pairs. There's a scene where he sends out 72 into the villages and suburbs to tell of the good news of Jesus. And then we read of his story of death and resurrection, and he's about to be returned to heaven to the Father, and he says, unless I go, you're not going to receive what's coming after me. And we read these words in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which we've referred to already in the series that we've been a part of. But you, this is Jesus speaking, you will receive, what does he say, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What if Jesus was serious about this? What if you, wanting to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, what would that mean if it if it involves engaging with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like for you in your life? Because it seems to me that throughout the course of history there's been now millions of disciples that started off with that small group in Jesus' time throughout history to, d- to today where people are engaging in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I was reminded, rather than talking about the sanctification and the sentness of, of the role of the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded of Billy Graham, I think, who used to say, it's, it's uh, I can't, uh, contain the wind. I can't see the wind, but I know the effects of the wind. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. We can't describe it. We can use words to, to allude to the fact that things are, things are happening, but he can't be contained. He can't be manipulated. And so we become, if you like, hosts of God's presence in our lives to be able to be directed by the things that he wants us to do, like collapsing a walker. If only I could do that. It's not my specialty, I've just realized. Or maybe helping someone that looks a little bit lost. Or maybe when no one's around, doing some cleanup work. And so it led me to think about some of my experiences in recent times. And I'm reminded of my Muslim friend who operates a shop nearby from us. And I've been building a relationship with him over a number of years and I even wished him happy birthday this week. It wasn't his birthday, it was the birthday of the day that he took over the shop um, four years ago. So that was 2019 and then he had to wrestle with everything that happened through COVID. So every now and again, I might just walk past, I might even just go in and buy something just so that I can talk to him. And he's got plenty of time at different points of the day because it's not busy and so this week we got talking about the nature of how Muslims enjoy Friday as the celebration day. And he compared that, say, to he knows what I do, my Christian faith, and the idea of Sunday being a day where we set aside. So I asked him questions about Ramadan recently. What's it like fasting? And so we have this conversation. Across the road, there's a pub. And I know the pub owner. And uh, I've slowly built a relationship with her as well. And actually, one one of our colleagues at our college, actually has a Sunday service in the pub once a month or so. And so I've been building a relationship with her. I know about her dogs. I know about some of the challenges that she's facing running an establishment like that. And actually, what it turns out that one of my older friends who lives in Sydney actually knows her much, much better. And we have a mutual friend, and she's been talking to her about life. If I walk down the street a little bit, I'm um, involved with with a few others in our school, in our public school. I'm part of the school association. I turn up to meetings, I ask questions. One of our colleagues also comes up and is involved in the sport activity with the kids just to offer some some help and some support. One of our students who actually worked at a bike shop um, ended up uh, getting connected to the school and through some conversations, we realized that there were these high-energy boys that were sometimes a bit bit restless uh, throughout the week. And so our student would go up there and spend a couple of hours just fixing bikes. They had a shed full of bikes that were broken. And that was a project that they did. Um, One of Christie's um, colleagues at the hospital um, had a trampoline. We wanna give this trampoline away. Surely you need it at the college. And we're thinking, nah, we've got enough trampolines and we've got enough broken arms to (laughs) let you know that trampolines are okay some of the time. So we thought, who could we give this to? Like, it's coming our way, what can we do? And we, we re- just remembered that there was an Indian family across the road. So Christy and I went over and we thought this would be ideal for them in sort of their age group and so on. And we had a nice conversation about that. There's uh, unfortunately the story of, uh, of, a, of a man who lives nearby who doesn't have a place to live. And so some of our um, friends as well, they're retired and they've got a bit more time. They've been able to develop a friendship with him. And I think once a week, he comes over for a a bowl of soup and just a shower and run his clothes through through the washing machine. This is what paying attention looks like. This is what the thing that is happening inside looks like when the world needs attention. And so the question that I want to address here is what is the Spirit doing here? What is He up to? If I'm called, if I'm drawn to a situation where I'm trying to help a a lady with her walker, what what does that mean? What is the Spirit doing here? And I think it just means simply practice. Not every conversation is going to necessarily lead to to Jesus or or, um, a coffee out or a conversation like that. That maybe there's some stepping stones that are involved with this. Maybe I'm just part of a bigger picture. And so when we read in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 and 20, think of these words if Jesus were serious, what does life look like then to be a follower of Jesus? Therefore, he said to his followers, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Another colleague two weeks ago from the college was sharing with us that he, he goes out walking a lot, and uh, he walked past one of the coffee shops in a in nearby area, and he had this, this prompt, right? It was the thought, it was a prompt, it was a feeling. And it was just maybe a whisper, not something that you hear with with your ears, but something that you sense within you. And it was God speaking to him, saying, you should turn around, you should go into that shop and you should have a conversation with the owner. And he's like, there's no way. I'm not doing that. I'm not from around here. I'm not even Australian. There's no way I'm going into a coffee shop and doing that. But just God had his heart. (laughs) And he turned around, went in and had a a really great conversation with this shop owner. And he reminded the shop owner that Jesus loved him. And that's all he needed to do. And he went on walking again. I don't know if you've been paying attention to to the news recently, but um, Apple, the company, have just released uh, a range of features, updates and so on and also what they call the Apple Vision Pro. This is an image of what the Apple Vision Pro looks like. We'll put the photo on the screen. And it is a set of, if you, uh, can I call them goggles? Is that, is that rude? Like, she's going snorkeling. Like, she's, she's not watching movies, she's going snorkeling in that. Uh, and I just watched some of, the, some of the presentation that Apple did, and this is what they call the Vision Pro. And the amount of technology in one of these things is just remarkable. And don't dismiss it too quickly because large companies have shaped the way that we engage with technology for a long time now. And just with slight movements of your hands, you don't have to hold anything, you can make things appear and disappear. So it's not only virtual reality, which has been around for quite some time, we're talking here about enhanced reality. So the reason you can see her eyes in that photo is because she can see the world around her, the environment, as well as some things that are in front of her, um, you know, apps of various kinds and so on. And for a very neat three and a half thousand dollars, you too can grab one. I've got one here, no I don't. <laughs> They're not for sale yet, they come out next year. Now you might be a technology fan, you might hate these sorts of things, but the fact is, this is, this is what we're longing for. For the right amount of money, a company, will make something for you to be able to enhance your life. Well, let me tell you, following Jesus for free, you can get the Holy Spirit that will do something in you and will actually allow you to see things that you cannot see. And I'm talking about a sense. I talked about being a thing before, a sense. It might be a nudge, it might be a prompt, it might be an impression. This is what we mean when we talk about power. And unfortunately, our English word doesn't really do us any favors here when we're talking about the, the Greek word that is used here. But when the New Testament, when Paul and others are using the word power, when Jesus is talking about power, he's not talking about, like, you know, put Jesus on as a jetpack and sort of you can do anything you want to do. He's actually saying, there is inherently something that you can do that nobody else can do because you've got the Holy Spirit. And that's actually gonna point towards me, Jesus is saying. So whether it's something that you see, a situation, you'll have a conversation and there'll be something in you that's saying something's not quite right here. Can I pray for you? Or it might be a conversation where you encourage someone because you had this sense to encourage. Or it might be this fact that you wanna invite someone over for, for a meal, have hospitality or go out for coffee. Or it might be just to gather around some people and, I don't know, just discuss the scriptures and spend time reflecting. Just this week, um, we heard a, of another graduate of ours who's still living with us on site, and he's been journeying with a friend via Zoom, reading scriptures for the last six months. And just, yes, uh, Friday, we just heard that this friend um, has accepted that, that Jesus is Lord in his life. And that, that happened over Zoom, Now, that's not really possible in the physical space to be able to have that connection. Maybe with Apple Vision Pro, we'll be able to talk to people, you know, across distances like we're doing now in front of screens, but it's the spirit that does this. Yeah? So, are you up for it? Is Jesus, if Jesus is serious, do you want that power? Do you want to be able to activate that sense? of that God's presence in your life so that you can help others see what the good news is about. What does that power look like for you? We went from 12 to 3,000. Jesus made a statement saying, go into the world and make disciples. And immediately after, the Spirit came at Pentecost and there was a range of new Christians. They didn't all follow the Spirit in the same way because Jesus uses you As you are, he uses your experiences, the gifts that you have, what you're good at, your environment that you're in. That's how he reaches others, it's through you. Are you up for it? I mentioned that it's free, which it is. But at the same time, it's going to cost you. And I think we've seen the example of Mia being baptized. There's a cost. And Jesus was very, very serious also about the cost. He was very open about the cost. Following Jesus will cost you. It may even cost you money in different ways, but it's going to cost you. And ultimately, he set the example because following Jesus will cost your life. In other words, there might be moments where the Spirit actually says in you, I want you to pay for the groceries of that person next to you. That's going to cost you. Or he might say, I want you to resign from your work and I want you to focus in this area over here. That's going to cost you. How is the Spirit going to work in you? I'm going to invite the team up, and I'd love for us to, to pray together. And perhaps there's a, there's a range of prayer here that we can touch on different topics. If you're someone that has been following Jesus for a long time, maybe it's time to just have a refresher, just a, if you like, theological language, an outpouring of the Spirit, just a, a filling up of that tank, just to be able to be alert, to be aware, to see the things that, na- that na- others can't see. Or maybe you're a new Christian, and this is fairly new to you as well. We can pray for the Spirit to touch you in a very special way, to reveal what it is that you're good at in that spiritual space. Or maybe you're exploring. You're welcome here. You're welcome online. Maybe this prayer is for you as well. Maybe we could pray that the Holy Spirit comes and sets himself in you in a very powerful way that you too would be inspired to tell others about the good news. Why don't you stand with me as we do so. So Father, we stand in your presence. We thank you for your son, Jesus, the good news of the gospel. That means that we can have lives that are redeemed, that are sanctified, that are set apart, Not only for our benefit, Lord, but actually there's a story here in which you're using people, ordinary people, in this room, uh, in this city, throughout this nation, all throughout the world, all throughout history. You've used a range of people that are sensitive to your spirit to be able to respond to the, the needs of the world, the brokenness that is around us, the needs of those that have never heard the name Jesus spoken Lord, I pray for a sense of your Holy Spirit now to rest upon those that have never experienced this before. Lord, I pray for that power that we've mentioned, not to be, not to be like Jedis that just conquer everything with, with, with ease, but actually just this sense of quietness, this spirit that is gentle, this spirit that is kind, that is subtle, that is quietly going about the business of telling people about you. Lord, if if there are people in this room or online that want to experience that, don't hold back, Lord, I pray. May that Holy Spirit come upon them, I pray. And Lord, for those of us that know you, whether for a short while or maybe for a long time, Lord, I pray for a a fresh pouring out of your Spirit. Sharpen us, Lord, we pray. Continue to shape us to be more like you, Jesus and bring to life, once again, those, um, that gift of the Spirit, what it might mean to be able to see things that, uh, that others can't see or that are not able to see because they don't know you. Lord, I pray for encouragement. I pray for the right word. I pray for hospitality. I pray for acts of kindness. I pray for the proclamation of, of the word of the gospel. All those things to be evident, not only in our community here at Door of Hope, but throughout our city. May Launceston be known as a city where the spirit moves. We don't need technology. We need you, Jesus. We need you to enhance our lives so that you can use us so that we can offer ourselves as a sacrifice. That sounds strange, Lord, but we want to be your servants. We want to be your disciples because we take your word seriously. And as we continue to worship, Lord, I pray that you would continue to talk to us right now as we respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen.